Welcome to Forbes Podcasts. Hi, I'm Denise Rustari, and this is Mentoring Moments. On each show, I invite a woman to share her stories, her personal, wow, you need to know what happened to me stories, also known as mentoring moments. We'll have a new episode on the first and third Tuesdays of each month, and mentoring moments is part of the Forbes Podcast Network, produced by Fractal Recording. In 2007, after a freak accident, Kimberly Chambers was told that she had a 1% chance of walking unassisted ever again. Well, she was determined to not be a statistic. In 2009, just two years after that accident, as part of her rehabilitation, Kim started to swim for the first time since primary school. And then, just six years later, in August of 2015, Kim set a world record, becoming the first woman to swim 30 miles through dangerous shark-inhabited waters from the Farallon Islands to the Golden Gate Bridge. We're talking 17 hours of nonstop swimming. It's, it, I, I'm just so amazed by this woman. I, I just want to know, where does she find the courage, the passion, and the energy? Well, that's what we're going to find out. Let's get started. Kim, let's kick this off with a story, your story, something you said, you saw, you did, learned, a you-need-to-know-this story, something that happened to you, your mentoring moment. Well, I think the one that comes to mind was in August of, of last year, and it was about 11.15 at night on a Friday evening. I had no other plans that night but to swim from the Farallon Islands to the Golden Gate Bridge. And sitting up for that evening, there'd been increased shark activity at the islands. These islands lie smack dab in the middle of the Red Triangle, the greatest concentration of great white sharks anywhere in the world. I like to say it's shark inhabited, not shark infested, because it's their home. And here I was on a Friday evening about to slip into that water. Um, wasn't really sure what was going to happen. I wasn't sure if I was going to come back. I wasn't sure if I was slipping into the mouth of a great white shark. It's pitch black. The adrenaline is pumping <laughs> through my veins. And I wanted to be very careful as to not wake the locals, the sharks. I didn't know if they were sleeping. And so I decided that I would just slip into that water. And for me, it really was this moment of truth. I had set out to do this swim. I'd made it very public. Had this amazing crew joining me as I, I was about to embark on this journey. And, you know, I could have very easily have decided, no, I couldn't get in that water, um, especially with the increased shark activity. That morning, a seal had its head bitten off right where I was about to slip into the water. And again, it's pitch black. You're the only human slipping into that abyss, and uh, I did it. <laughs> I uh, still can't really believe that I did that, but not only did I get in that water alone, but I swam through the night and through the morning 
and through the afternoon and crossed under the Golden Gate Bridge 17 hours and 12 minutes later, completing my Farallon Island swim. And I was the first woman in the world to do that. And that moment of slipping in that water, reflecting back on it, has, has taught me a lot. I'm still processing much of that, but really it, it comes down to the power of the mind. And if you think you can't do something, you can't. But if you tell yourself you can, you sure can. Did you ever, though, think, even like for a second, when you're, because you're on the boat, diving oh, yeah. into the water, right? Did you yeah. ever, did you just think like, oh my God, what am I doing? I can't do this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was about a two and a half hour boat ride out to the islands. You know, they're 30 miles off the coast of California. They're still within San Francisco, actually. But there are these islands, these sort of jagged outcropping of rocks that you can only see on the clearest of days from San Francisco. And the, the boat ride out there is notoriously rough. And I was laying in the V-berth in the bow of the boat, just trying to collect my thoughts and just rest really because I had this journey ahead of me but there was a lot going through my head you know again I'd made this swim very public I'd sent out a GPS tracker uh, link to thousands of people so they could follow my swim live and you know the intensity of that moment was actually sort of broken a little bit by my mum who was there to support me as she has done for many of my swims and as I was sitting on the swim platform just about to slip in the water, I didn't want to dive into the water. I didn't want to jump in the water again because I didn't want to wake the sharks. <laughs> and my mum just sort of looks over at me and she said, well, hurry up then, get in the water. <laughs> and I said, mum, you know, I'm having a moment here. I'm just trying to collect my thoughts. But it could have, you know, it's just sort of broke that um, intensity for me. And uh, a few minutes later, I, I slipped in the water and off I went. I wish I could take a selfie of myself right now and we could show it on this podcast because I think I look like one of the emojis, you know, the one that has like its eyes wide open and it's like staring. My daughter sends me that one a lot whenever I send her something that I'm sure she's like thinking, what the heck? And so she sends me that instead of saying, what are you thinking, mom? But I'm doing it. Okay. I don't know how to swim. So the thought of like drive that for me to dive into nine feet of water is petrifying. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. So I'm going to go back a few steps here on, let's talk about how you got there. What, what is it that brought you to that point of saying, this is what I want to do. This is what I have to do. And I'm so determined to do it that my fears will be pushed aside because I need to do this. What got you there? Well, I've, I've had some life lessons over the past few years and um, some of them very, very difficult. Um, I came very close to having my right leg amputated from the knee down in 2007. And that was really sort of a first moment for me of being very, very afraid but and not knowing the outcome, but pushing ahead regardless. I was faced with a very real possibility of being disabled for the rest of my life. Uh, they weren't sure that I was going to regain the mobility of my leg once it was saved. But I, it's in these moments of um, complete despair that you really realize what you're made of and what, what you can dig for. And it was during my first hospitalization as I was recovering from my leg injury that I realized that 
I needed to change things. I needed to, to fix this. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to go ahead and do it. And, you know, that sort of set me on this path of self-discovery, of really realizing that when you're most afraid of something, that's when you really should do it because the rewards far outweigh the risks. You know, it could be the risk of disappointment. It could be the risk of your life. Um, and I faced all of that, but I, through learning how to swim and, you know, being involved in, in open water swimming specifically, I, I came across those islands and fell in love with them. I am enamored by them. I'm also terrified by them because they are this remote outcropping of islands that humans are not allowed to step foot on unless you're one of the few scientists that live at the islands. And the handful of people that do go out to the islands, you know, every month or so are there to to dive in cages and, and view a shark up close and personal. Or they're there to fish, but they're also violently ill on the way over there. So not many people want to go out to these islands, but they're beautiful. And I feel this connection that I've never felt with any other place other than where I'm from, which is New Zealand. And I just knew that I wanted to be the first woman to swim from those islands. Over the years, I, I paid deference to those islands. I, I went out there on the weekends and hopped in the water. And my, my colleagues at work think I'm completely nuts because you know they'd ask about my weekend and I'd say well you know I went for a little dip at the Farallons and here's the video of me swimming with seals and sea lions so it's been this real spiritual journey and a lot of it is faced with this self-doubt and also the doubt and concern of others but moving ahead regardless and again like I said the rewards always far outweigh the risks but when you're in the water there is that risk of dying. Is, is there a risk of dying? Absolutely. I mean, that should be a question. Yeah, there is. So, um, yeah. But the rewards could be bigger than dying? I think so. I mean, call me crazy, but the sport is unlike any other sport in the world where you are the only human in the water. You're in an environment for which you are ill-equipped as a human. You know, we're, we're land animals. We're not supposed to be in the water. You are surrendering yourself to this unknown. It's thousands of feet deep water with, you know, seals, sea lions, sharks, dolphins, orca, you know, you name it. And it's this wonderland, which every time I'm out there, I feel like this modern day explorer because you see things, you get to experience emotions that you don't get to experience you know, in your everyday life on land. And I have felt this deep connection to the ocean and, and being out there, I've been escorted by dolphins for most of my swims where they will swim next to me, around me, beside me. And I know they're looking at me like, who is this crazy lady in our swimming pool? But <laughs> to be accepted, to be accepted in this environment for which you are not really supposed to be in is this amazing feeling and it's something I'm drawn to. I, I, I am drawn to the adrenaline uh, from immersing myself and play, in the unknown and, and really playing with not knowing. But really on land, we don't know either. We're, we're sort of lulled into this false sense of security that our lives here are protected and are predictable when in actual fact they're not. I, I'm not I don't have a death wish, which may sound 
crazy given that I really participate in a sport where it is life or death. Um, you're at the mercy not only of the ocean but also the limitations of your body. Uh, in many ways, you're just a few hours away from being hypothermic. You know, I've, I've almost died on a couple of my swims through jellyfish toxicity. And, but I'll keep coming back because I just feel so connected with that environment and it connects me with myself. And it's an incredible feeling. So you're, you're bitten by jellyfish, and I think you were bitten by hundreds of jellyfish on your swim on the... Yeah, I swam from Northern Ireland to Scotland and... And how many hours was that? That was 13 hours and six minutes. What's, and what's been your longest swim? My longest swim was from Molokai Island to Oahu in Hawaii. And this is called the Molokai Channel. It took me almost 20 hours of nonstop swimming. So I follow traditional English Channel marathon swimming rules where you just wear a regular swimsuit, cap and goggles. You're allowed earplugs. And for the duration of your swim, you're not allowed to have any physical contact with your crew. So they can't, you know, touch you to, you know, put lanolin on you to protect you from chafing. Once you're in the water, you're on your own. And you have this boat that is right beside you. And every 30 minutes or an hour, they throw you a drink bottle on a rope. So you can't have any physical contact with the boat or your crew. And that bottle will contain a carbohydrate protein drink so you you get your calories it's sort of like stoking the fire just to keep going but you can't so what get do you, how, how do you drink this while you're swimming so i'll they'll blow a whistle and then they'll throw a drink bottle into the sea <laughs> and at night it's attached it has a glow stick attached to it so it's just like this it's like this you know because when you're out there at night i mean you're like it's like i imagine you're being in space right and Everything just glows with this bioluminescent wonder that is out of this world, literally out of this world. And so this bottle will just plunge into the water in front of me with a glow stick attached to it. It's just sort of glowing, and I'll stop. I'll take the lid off. I'll tread water. And in 10 seconds, I'll just guzzle this drink as quickly as possible because, again, you want to keep moving to stay warm. And also, you know, we do these swims, we time them based on the, on the movement of the water so that when you're arriving at the destination, whether it be under a bridge or at an island or at a new continent, as I've done before, uh, that you are arriving on an incoming tide that will, will guide you in to your destination. So everything is very carefully um, strategized. But again, you are out there alone. Uh, you have your boat next to you, but you cannot rest at any time on the boat. Um, and if you touch the boat, you're disqualified. So there's an official observer who is um, taking note of the wind speed, the water temperature, you know, how many times you vomit. It, you know, it's not a glamorous sport. <laughs> it is uh, where you are pushing your mind and your body to that edge and oftentimes beyond. When we first talked, I remember saying, saying to a friend, that I just talked to you, and I was in that, I am so impressed by Kim. How Thank you wrap you. your mind around, I, I really am, I, how you wrap your mind, your body, your, your whole spirit is wrapped around your swims and challenging yourself. And you're, it's, it's like you're on a journey. Yes. And each swim is a part of that journey. Yes. Yes. These are, you know, 
for me, they're not just athletic events. Um, they are these real personal odysseys where, you know, the person getting out of the water at the end of the swim and you have to get out of the water unassisted. So nobody can take pity on you and put their arms around you and help you out of the water. You have to clear the water and get to dry land on your own, own ability. But oftentimes you're crying. You're in the most intense pain imaginable. Your whole body just aches. And, you know, you're sort of a little bit out of it mentally because, you know, you've been in the water for almost, you know, sometimes 20 hours. And I've found that that person sort of crawling out of the water, you know, in tears and in that really unimaginable pain is a completely different person from the one who, like with my Farallon swim, slipped into the water in the middle of the night <laughs> in shark-inhabited water. <laughs> You go through these ups and downs during the course of, of this journey where your your mind tells you you can't do it. Your mind tells you you're cold. You're, you look up and you try and see where you're swimming to and you can't see it any closer. You're dealing with frustration. You're dealing with self-doubt. You're dealing with the cold inevitably. And you get to the other side and it's something that Nobody can take away from you. You know, you, you don't get a gold medal for any of these events. You don't get a cash prize. It is a sport where you're in it for very, very personal reasons. And I feel profoundly changed with each of these swims. And in many ways, I feel like my soul has a few more wrinkles with each of these journeys. And you connect with yourself and others at, at such a deep level and Every day I'm filled with a gratitude and appreciation for what my mind and my body can do for me that I never had in all the years that I was a ballerina growing up in New Zealand. And, and especially, I think, for me, having survived a near amputation of my leg, again, all those years as a dancer, I never once appreciated what my body could do for me. And now, you know, not only have I rehabilitated this leg, but I have sort of really rehabilitated myself. I mean, my heart just feels so full. I can't, I can't describe it in any other way, um, but just to say that it, it fills me completely. I mean, as I talk to you today, I'm just longing, literally longing to go back out there because it's this connection with nature and myself that is unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. So when you're at work <laughs> and someone says... You know, my head hurts a little today. I really can't get this job done. What do you think? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of these things that, you know, I mean, pain is, is relative, right? We all experience pain differently. We all experience frustration differently. But for me, everything sort of pales in comparison. I've felt real pain. I, I, I felt it very intensely. And I often put myself in situations where I get to feel that pain, which sounds very strange to know, knowingly, you know, go for one of these swims where you're going to get more than a headache. That's for sure. You may vomit for two or three hours while you're swimming. And trust me, it's not pretty, but um, you can actually vomit while you swim. You know, it, it gives me a perspective when I come back to land, when I come back to my, my job, because I've experienced life at that edge and 
it actually makes it a little bit isolating in many ways because you you don't relate to things as a regular person and it's not to to put myself above anybody that's not what I'm getting at it's more that you've really had these experiences that are life-changing they're incredible your experiences yeah. are just incredible yeah but it makes for that integration back into your regular life very very difficult it's very very isolating and you're just as much as you're longing to reconnect with that environment you're longing for connections with people who have also experienced life at that edge it's it's a strange it's a strange place to be you know ironically these swims bring people together uh, i have an amazing community of of swimmers and the like that follow my swims but the aftermath is very isolating because you you are forever changed. Um, well, and is, it, is your very I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, that's okay. You just you look at things very very differently. Um, you look at everything in your life, your friendships, your work. It gives you a, a, a very a different perspective. You know, the lenses through which you view your life are aged, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's very different. And is it hard having friendships just in general because your weekends are consumed with the practices, with practicing? Yeah, you know, I I love the discipline that this sport requires of me. I, I was a ballerina for 15 years, and I'm very much at my happiest when I'm striving for a goal I probably go to to an extreme. I, sometimes I feel like a racehorse on a track with the blinders on and you, you're just focused on what's ahead of you. And it does become isolating because you're driven towards this goal that only a few people can really connect with. But, again, I belong to some incredible um, swim groups. There's a swim team that I, I belong to called the Night Train Swimmers, and we do swims around the world for charity. Again, you know, making these journeys more than about yourself in many ways. And, you know, we get together often and we share stories and we dream about new swims. And, uh, yeah, I've sort of found myself in this very strange community of extreme adventurers. <laughs> and I never would have imagined this six years ago if you'd asked me. Well, it's, it's definitely, as, as I said, it's a journey, it's your dream. And I think back to... Whitney Johnson wrote the book. She's a friend of mine. She wrote the book, Dare, Dream, Do. Yeah. And I read the book and she called and I said, you know, I can't figure out my dream. I'm really trying. I could figure out what I don't want in life. That's pretty easy, right? I don't want to be a lawyer. I can't be a lawyer. I mean, I could if I went back to school. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't like blood. I can go through a whole list, a long list of things I don't want to be. But when it comes down to really honing in on what I want to be, I'm really having a hard time with that. And she said, I think that's because you're living your dream. You just need to dream bigger. That was a real life-changing moment for me, and that was only a few years ago. And she was absolutely right, that at first I was starting to think, okay, I need to find a different, something different. That's my dream. But it really was, this was my dream, but I wasn't dreaming big enough. 
and taking it to that next step. So do you ever feel that way that you're living your dream? Do you feel like you're living your dream or do you feel like there's another dream out there and you just have to make it bigger? Yeah, I think the latter that I, that I am living my dream, but I, I want it to be bigger. I love that the sport requires everything of me and I really want to see how far I can go. How far can my mind take me? How far can my body take me? I've certainly stood at the edge and, and looked down, but I want to see how high I can go with this. And it's all for just personal satisfaction. I, I want to have that feeling of accomplishment. And sure, I, you know, I've completed a number of these swims and I'm still in many ways processing them. It's sometimes hard to come to terms with, you know, for many of these swims, you can look at a map of the world and you can say, I swam from that country to that country or I swam from that island to that island. And I really do look at it with a sort of a, a disbelief in many ways. But I know that I did that deep down and I want to know what else I can do because the mind really is very, very strong. And that's the key to all of this, I think, is, is your mind. So when you go to work, what's that like? Is it, it's very different than being in the water. Yeah. How do you wrap your arms around that? Because it doesn't have that, the same exhilaration. Work might be exhilarating, but not the same as being in the water. So how do you wrap your arms around that, your daily work versus the extreme life that we, we who aren't living your life look at in this extreme? How do you manage both of those? Yeah, in many ways I do feel like I have a bit of a double life. I have it's like Superman by day and yeah. it's like Clark Kent by day and Superman by night. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I work at Adobe and here in San Francisco, and they have been um, very supportive and very encouraging. And I think that's what's made it easier for me. I, I, I take pride in getting my training done before and after work. I don't take sick days. So I do my swims during my vacation time. But there is a curiosity here amongst my colleagues that um, I love to to satisfy. I love to open up. I love to share these stories. And, you know, it's really interesting when somebody at work will, will tell me that they just started running and they didn't think they could run. And now they're running a mile a day and they think they're going to run this 5k. So I find that people will come up to me and they'll share these stories with me. And that really fills me with a lot of pride and appreciation really to be in a spot where you know, I can get my day-to-day -day work done, but people are feel that they can open up to me about these struggles and um, accomplishments. So I'm still, again, I still have this double life, but I, each day, my morning and night is sort of bookended with uh, this adventure that I'll pursue. I'll swim in the bay in the morning. I might swim in the bay in the evening. And in between, I, I am in this corporate job. But again, having my colleagues show interest and also share their interests makes it a lot sweeter. So if, what advice would you give to someone saying, I want to start something, whether it's scary or just something new, but it seems overwhelming, it doesn't have to be scary, but overwhelming in just how do I even begin? What advice would you give that person on how to start? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I think what's made all of this possible for me 
is community. Surrounding yourself with people who are interested in that same sport. You know, I fell into the sport, literally, but I joined a swim club and, you know, it just started incrementally. I, I, I didn't start swimming with a plan of swimming a channel or swimming from one country to the next. For me, I was seeking movement. I was still walking with a limp two years after my major surgeries and I'd had full-time physical therapy and walked with a limp and really felt so incapacitated. I, I felt like I wasn't me and the water became this sanctuary for me. I ended up joining this swim club where I just started to have conversations with people and everyone was so willing to help, to, so willing to offer advice. So I think, you know, if it's running or if it's hiking or if it's climbing, find a local community and just start immersing yourself in that community. And you'll find yourself talking to like-minded people without really realizing it. And I think it's not thinking about, again, swimming a channel. It's just incrementally approaching the sport or whatever it is that you're interested in pursuing, whether it's cooking or learning a, a new language. It's just immersing yourself in that community where people believe that it's it's a wonderful thing as well, whatever that might be. And you'll find you connect with these, you'll make friends and you'll find ways of, of pursuing that goal. It'll just all sort of fall into place. And I, I really don't think that we can do anything alone and we shouldn't have to because there's always somebody out there that's interested in what you're doing. So I would say tapping into that community first and foremost. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Any other mentoring moments, anything that you've learned from someone, anything that you want to share that we just haven't gotten to yet? Yeah, I think it's just really, you know, life is, uh, it's a roller coaster, right? It's, it's not all wonderful. Um, sometimes it's really difficult. You know, when I was faced with the near amputation of my leg and then being told, you know, we saved your leg, but we don't know what, if any, functionality you'll ever have. That was really a, a defining moment for me. And those two years of, of literally learning to walk were, at the time, the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me. I thought that my life, as I knew it, was over. And I didn't really know that there was a way out, but I just took it day by day, just one day at a time. And I know that sounds so cliched, but it was just getting through the day to face the next day. But you get out on the other side. And for me, looking back on those two years, there were so many life lessons for me. And I now look back at that time. That was the worst possible thing that ever happened to me. I now confidently and 100% say that that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I think that, you know, if you can go through your life and, and weather the storm of, of, of the terrible things that will all happen to all of us, you'll find that you look back on it with great learnings. And like me, I mean, my heart is full. <laughs> My heart is full, and it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have fallen down those stairs. So I guess that's sort of my moment to share because, again, we all go through difficult times in our lives, and we don't know when it's going to happen. But 
it will happen. And having that ability to just expect the unexpected and know that something will happen, but also know that, you know, you really are stronger than you think you are. As you're talking, I'm thinking about a young woman, Shannon Galpin, who's, I think, pretty close to your age. You're in your late 30s, right? Yeah. And Shannon may be 40 now, but when she was 19, she was raped and left for dead. And she didn't tell anybody about it, and she went on with her life. And 10 years later, her sister was raped in a totally different part of the country. So there was no connection to her family or her or anything with the rapist. It was just one of those bizarre incidences, more than an incident, a bizarre happening in life. Right, right. So she started to look at it and say, what are the chances of two sisters, two different places, 10 years apart, being raped? And then she started to think about how her parents felt and thought, how must they feel? They have two daughters. Both of them were raped. Shannon just gave birth to her daughter. So she looked at her daughter and thought, I can't let this happen to my daughter. I have to do something so that she can live in a world where she doesn't have to be afraid of being raped and other women can live in that world. So on that day, she decided to help other women and go to Afghanistan, which is the worst place in the world for women and and being safe. So when I asked her why she selected Afghanistan of all the places that you would start this, she had said, why not? Mm-hmm. They needed the help the most. And I said, but weren't you afraid? I mean, you're a blonde, blue-eyed woman, American. You're going to Afghanistan by yourself. You're riding a bike. Women don't ride bikes in Afghanistan. Aren't you afraid? And she had said, after being raped and left for dead, what else could happen to me? Wow. From someone who, thank God, has never been in that situation of being raped or left for dead, I understand exact. I hear her and I understand what she's feeling. It's hard for me, though, to, because I look at it and say, well, what I would do is I would have started off small. I wouldn't have jumped to Afghanistan. But that's because I don't have what happened to her to drive me to do that for that particular thing, right? So I, nothing happened to me to make me say, I'm going to start out in Afghanistan. But when I look at my life, there are things that happened to me that made me take bold leaps. Yes. And it's because of those things that have happened to me that made yes. me take those bold leaps into the unknown, into the scary parts of the world. And whether it's being in the waters with real sharks or being in other waters with sharks that don't look like those sharks, <laughs> it's putting yourself into those situations and just saying, I just have to go for it. I just, what can I lose? And I think we all have those moments in our lives, some more extreme, yours is more extreme, Shannon's is more extreme, some more extreme than others, but we all have them. And I think the real thing, and what I'm hearing so strongly from you, is that just go and do it. Take your fear, manage your fear, or or go beyond your fear. Find that the reward is so much bigger than your fear, and just go do it. Yeah, yeah. Because I can guarantee you'll look back and uh, with amazement <laughs> and gratitude and pride, and you'll say, "I did that." I oh, did definitely. That. And, and Shannon now ha- has delivered bicycles to young women in Afghanistan. She's done many things for women in Afghanistan, but her latest is she's teaching young women how to ride a bike because that gives them freedom. It takes them to 
go to places they need to get to. It also could take them to the library. It also takes them away from people who can harm them. And it changes everything about their lives because now they have a freedom that they're not just stuck at home. So you, you you look at the changes and the changes that have come in her own life, which she has learned through all that. And that's what I hear so much of what you're saying is the bad things that happen are awful. Thinking you're going to lose your leg, I can't even, that's awful. It's awful. Being raped and left for dead is beyond awful. Hmm. But, and you have that choice in life, right? Of saying, I'm going to stick there and stay where I'm at. And if I walk, that will be okay. Or you have that real ability to say, I'm going to make this happen and, and do as much as you can. I understand for some people, medical restrictions, they wouldn't be able to walk. In your right. case, you were able to walk with right. having with having that determination. But whatever it is, it's having that determination to say, I can do this. And I think that's what puts us in our zone. Yes. And, and you're in your zone when you're in the water. There's no way you're doing what you're doing without being in your zone. Yeah. yeah. And we it's, all have that zone. We all do. We all do. And it's just about finding it um, because Really, when you're in that zone, it is a magical, magical feeling. Um, and again, that's why all I want to do is just go back out there. <laughs> and so what's next? Tell us what's next before we wrap it up. So I, I want to see how far my mind and my body can go. Um, thinking about, well, seriously considering a 100-mile swim, swimming from Sacramento to San Francisco. And it would be a fundraiser. Again, I I believe strongly in giving back and, again, making these journeys bigger than yourself. So it'll be a fundraiser, and I'm still mulling over the thought of this and and the logistics. But I've never swum 100 miles. I've never swum more than 20 hours. This would take me into 40 hours of nonstop swimming. Can my mind do it? Can my body do it? What's going to happen? I don't know, but that's a lot of time in my head. <laughs> so that's at what age do you, do you think maybe there isn't an age? Do you ever think about that? Though, is there an age where you won't be able to do these do a swim that's a hundred miles? I've never thought about that actually. Um, oh, then I hate to bring it up. I don't want to put that <laughs> thought in your head. <laughs> no, I, I I love just dreaming big. I love just looking at a map and saying, "Well, I think I'm going to try and swim that." and who knows if I can? Who knows what will happen? Um, but I will set my mind to it, and I will give it the best I can. I'm 38, coming up 39, and I think I'm, I'm just in my prime right now for this sort of swimming. But I'd like to think that when I'm a 95-year-old <laughs> that I'm still going to be getting in that water. I won't be swimming 100 miles, maybe 100 yards, but I'd be pretty happy with that. Kim, I am so inspired by you, and I sat here as your talking and I made a list because I was personalizing this. And so I have things that I wanted to do that I haven't done yet. There are many things I want to do that I haven't done, but two that I think I've been saying for the past two years that I've now made a promise to myself that I'm going to learn how to speak French wow. and I am going to learn how to swim. Oh, I love it. Well, you have to come for a swim with me. <laughs> In what kind of waters? <laughs> we First I'll learn how to dive, in, dive into the nine foot <laughs> pool. How's that? That sounds like a plan. You know what? You never know where you'll end up. So careful. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> I have to tell you this cute story. When um, Years ago, my husband and I went on vacation, 
and we were in the Turks and Caicos, and he wanted to go snorkeling. And I said, you know, you should go. I don't swim, but you should go. And so the captain of the boat said, well, she can still go. We'll give her a guide that will just take her. So that way you can go on your swim and she can have this guide. So we go out in the boat. We get off the, we're on the boat and my guide is there and he's like six, four and he's standing in the water. I'm paying no attention to how, where his body is in position to the water. I jump on him. I'm literally, my arms are wrapped around his neck. My legs are wrapped around his waist. It was, a, it would have been a great photo moment. And I am just like clutching onto him for dear life. And he's saying to me, this is three feet of water. You're in three feet of water. You can let go now. I was so <laughs> petrified of like being in the middle, which I thought was the middle of the ocean. Like it was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm really holding on to him for dear life. And he's like, it's three feet of water. You can stand in this. So I think I have to get over some real big fears here, but I yes. am going to do them. That's my promise to you, because I think what you're doing you. is so, it's really so inspiring and to be able to realize that those rewards in life are so much bigger than the risks mm -hmm. that we take is a huge, huge message. Oh, thank you. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to swim from, you know, Spain to Africa or England to France. It's about just deciding you're going to do something for yourself first and foremost, and just going for it. I guarantee you'll be surprised at where you end up. And it won't be where you think you are. It will be. I think that's a wonderful message. And it's great that it's not where you think you're going to be. And that all goes about dreaming bigger. Yeah. And sometimes you yeah. don't even know what the dream is, right? I mean, it's like you, you say, I'm going to dream bigger. And sometimes you don't see it until you're there. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even and, figure out that the dream is bigger. Right. And we only have one life, one life, one amazing, magical life. And you know what? Why not just go out and just grab it all. Just do it. I agree. And you're, and you're doing a wonderful job of it. I just, I can't wait to keep following you. I think that someone should do a documentary on you. I think there should be a movie about you. I think you should write a book. I think you should be speaking. I think there's so many things I want to be seeing. I want to see you doing. Well, there is a documentary coming out this year. So, uh, that's being worked on right now and I have plans of writing a book. So stay tuned. <laughs> I am. I, I promise you I will. <laughs> so Kim, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for being here today for sh really for sharing your stories. It's these stories that will change our lives. So thank you for sharing yours. Oh no, thank you so much for uh, letting me tell my story. It's my pleasure forever. You can tell your <laughs> stories forever. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Kim has so many mentoring moments to share. And when I'm listening to her, I keep thinking, I just want to hear more. I want to hear more. Tell me more. I have that big-eyed look going on. So to get your bonus mentoring moments from Kim, check out my show notes on Forbes.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please review and rate. And if you like the show, which I hope you do, please tell a friend and subscribe. You just enjoyed a Forbes podcast. To learn more about our other shows, visit Forbes.com slash podcasts. Thank you.